Um, the kids can go. And you have Liz and Fletcher are doing Kids Church today. I think that's wonderful. That's incredible. And they do a fantastic job. And as Bella's walking by, she was giving out presents to many of us. And I want to thank this little girl for the present she gave me. It meant so much. A precious, generous little thing. Thank you, Bella. <laughs> all right. Also, we have goodies at the back. I wouldn't have a problem at all if you go back and get some coffee and a cookie and eat it while we have service. There's nothing wrong with that. So you're more than welcome to do that right now. Or if you get, uh, I see Miles talking. Just go, Miles. Just go get a cookie. Don't worry about it, man. Just go. There you go. Broke the ice. That's what we're looking for. <laughs> so follow Miles, all right? Don't, don't be shy. Um, I, I don't know. I just like a warm, home, cozy feeling in church. I think that's what church should, should be like all the time. I don't think it should ever be stiff. I don't think it should ever be. In, look at this. This is awesome, man. Everybody's getting up. I don't think it should ever be uncomfortable. Um, I think it should be warm. You know, it's, it's, the, it's the house of God. When we come together, uh, the, the Bible likens it to the body of Christ, the body of Christ. And, and we should have that warmth and comfort, I believe, in the house of God. I think that's very, very important. So help yourself. Um, don't let it distract you, but, but help yourself, all right? Um, as those are getting their, uh, their goodies back there, I want you to look at 2 Corinthians 12, 9. All right, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Look in your Bibles if you have your Bible with you or your phone or however you, you get to your, your Bible is fine with me. I, I get to the Bible through my phone, and I want to share something interesting with you. How many of you guys use the Bible app on your phone? Probably, I would guess, about 50%, maybe a little, looks like a little less than that. Um, this is a total digression but if you, if you go down, and it may not be there any longer, but if you go down, you will find statistics on how many people use the Bible app worldwide because it's in I don't know how many different languages. And it also shared, I don't see it there now, but it shared the percentage increase of that phone app throughout the world. And it strikes me that Japan had a 102 or 104% increase of Bible usage in 2018. A 102% increase in using the Bible, not using, reading the Bible. And it was interesting also, it shared the most um, read verses in the Bible. And I wish I could remember. I, I wish it would show it uh, right now. But it showed the most read uh, verse worldwide, and it showed the most read verse in Japan, the most read verse in the United States, and uh, it showed even, I think it was Zimbabwe, I might be wrong about that, but an African country where Bible usage on the Bible app had increased well over 100%. In the Netherlands, it was something like 68%. So you know what that tells me? People are interested in the Word of God. They're interested. They want to know more about God. And I believe there's more and more of a hunger in people's lives and hearts. And we shouldn't be afraid to reach somebody for Jesus. We shouldn't be afraid to reach somebody for Jesus, especially in light of what we're going to be talking about today. So if you look at 2 Corinthians 12, 9, this is the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul wrote many books of the New Testament one of them being 2 Corinthians, he wrote to churches, and there was a church in the city of Corinth, all right? And he was writing this church, and in this passage, he was talking about his thorn in the flesh. Have you ever poked yourself with a thorn before? <laughs> or poked yourself with something sharp? Tina poked herself with a thorn from our rose bush. And I don't know if it got infected or what. It gave her fits for over a month, this, this thorn. So when the Apostle Paul talks about a thorn in the flesh, he's talking about something painful. Now, we don't know. He never tells us, per se, what that thorn in the flesh was. But it was something that made him miserable. And uh, I think of Nadia Gilbert right now. She's had problems with her shoulder, right? For a long time, she had an operation. You know what? Right now... That's a thorn in her flesh, <laughs> that, that 
pain in her shoulder. And I want you to stop and think right now, do you have a thorn in your flesh? It could be a bad boss. That could be a thorn in your flesh. It could be a bad marriage. That could be a thorn in your flesh. Maybe it's an addiction of some sort. You and I, we have thorns in our flesh. We know what it looks like, feels like to go through something painful, have discomfort in our, in our lives. But look at what the Apostle Paul says about his thorn in his flesh. He says, my, God told him this, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. And you know what that's telling him? In one version of the Bible, it says, my grace is all you need. My grace, even in the midst of a shoulder operation or a troubled marriage or a difficult boss, all you need is God's grace. All you need is God's grace. It'd be like somebody saying, you know what? You're about to lose your apartment. You, you've, you're about to get evicted from your apartment. And you think, all I need is $1,000 in my bank account. <laughs> That's all I need. And God say, no, all you need is my grace. Or for someone sick saying, I wish all I need is for me to be healed. And God saying, all you need is the grace of God. And I want to share with you how valuable the grace of God is this morning. Because I want you to walk out those doors saying the same thing. Hey, all I need is the grace of God. That's all I need. Let me tell you. The connotations of grace. You know what connotations are? The aspects or the the implications of grace. Listen to this. One of the, the connotations of grace is giftedness. Giftedness. Now, we were watching a little, I think, 11-year-old Spanish girl from Spain singing beautifully and hitting some notes. She sounded like she had the most mature, gifted voice I've ever heard. And she was singing something. I can't remember what it was. And you're just like watching on YouTube. She's like transfixed on this little tiny shriveled up noodly little girl. Tiny little skinny arms. She was hitting those notes, man. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. You know what? She's gifted. She's gifted. And you know what? If you look at your life, you have gifts. Gifts. Where do those gifts come from? The grace of God gives you the gifts that you have. The Bible says that God has taken gifts and spread them abroad like you would throw seeds out on, onto a field. He spread gifts to man. Spread them abroad. You're gifted. Why? Because of the grace of God. Here's another connotation that, that grace has. It's blessing. Blessing. I love it when Brother Jimmy talks about blessing. He says, Happy are those who, whatever. And you think of all the blessings that God gives. You know what comes with blessings? Happiness. You know what? When you're happy, it's the grace of God. When you have that happiness and that joy and you don't know why you're so happy, it's the grace of God. That's a connotation connotation of the grace. You have to forgive me, man. I've been... I'm coughing a little bit, so I'm a little dry, but here's another one. Favor. What is favor? Supreme advantage. You, through the grace of God, have the supreme advantage at work with your family, with your whatever. You have the supreme advantage through Jesus Christ. The grace of God gives you favor, gives you the supreme advantage. Have you ever been competing for a position or heard of someone competing for a position and they say, it's not what you know, it's who you know? Have you ever heard that before? And it's pretty true. I mean, people, really talented people get overlooked for promotion because someone else knew the boss and they got the position. Well, you know what the grace of God? You know somebody in high places that can get you to the place where you need to be. It's not what you know, it's who you know. And bless God, you know Jesus. You know Jesus. That's the grace of God. Are you starting to value the grace of God now? Are you starting to want some of this? Here's another connotation is kindness. God longs to show his kindness to you. 
Not just to be, but show it. Here's another one. He give, he's favorably disposed towards you. Favorably disposed to you. Not because you're special, but because he's, he's just, he says, you know what? You're my favorite. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you grace. I'm going to show you grace. Look at in Exodus 12, 35. You can just listen to me. The Israelites were coming out of Egypt after 430 years of slavery. They were coming out of Egypt. And the Bible says um, that Moses instructed each Israelite, two million of these people, to ask the Egyptians, that's their captors, for items of silver and gold and clothing. And the Lord made the Egyptians, what? Favorably disposed towards the Israelites. And the Israelites plundered Egypt simply by asking. Isn't that something? God has given you a favorable disposition and men and women are going to bless you because you were fav- God has made you favorably disposed or them favorably disposed towards you. <clears throat> Here's another thing I love about grace. Grace is the ingredient that makes things work for you. Now, I have a refrigerator that I'd like to kick from here to kingdom come, all right? This refrigerator was supposed to give me ice, and half the time when we put our stupid glass in there to get ice, nothing comes out, and I'll open the door, and there's no ice in there. Well, what's wrong with this stupid thing? Well, you know what? We prayed over our refrigerator, all right? And God made it work. Sister Shelley, has God made things work for you before? Has God ever healed your car and made it work before? This sounds crazy. This is what the grace of God does. He makes things work that don't work otherwise. And I'm not just talking about mechanical things. He'll make relationships work. The grace of God comes in there like an oil into a machine and makes things start clicking and working. Where did I get this from? Well, I get it from personal experience. But I also get it from Romans 8.28 that says, We know that all things work. Yeah, you can go ahead and quote the rest of it, but stop there for a second. God makes all things work that are broken. He can make a, a, a injured body work again. He can make a marriage work again. He can make a, a somebody who hasn't been successful in their job, he can make them work again. But I will read the rest of it. We know that all things work together for the good to those who love God, to them who are called according to God's purpose. You know what? You're called of God. You're called of God. God loves you. Why don't you just go ahead and love him back? The grace of God is going to be flowing in your life. I see a bottle of water. I hope this is for me. Now listen to this. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I feel the love. Listen to this statement. This is something my wife told me. And she just said it in passing. I wrote it down in my Bible journal. How many of you have a Bible journal? All right? If you don't have one, get one. <laughs> get a Bible journal. Write down. If God, if it's important enough for God to tell it to you, don't you think it's important enough for you to write it down? Write down, capture the thoughts, the words of God that he gives you. But here's what my wife said. It's not what you do, it's what you receive. Do you get that? It's not what you do, it's not what you don't do, it's what you receive from God. And that's the grace of God. Look at this in Ephesians 2.8, it says, For it is by grace you've been saved, not of yourselves. It's through faith. And this not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. The grace of God is a gift to you. You just freely take it. Receive grace upon grace upon grace. Let God pile grace upon you over and over again. And don't get so caught up in what you do or don't do. Just receive from God. When you receive from God, you will start doing the right things. Believe me. God will fix all those things, and he'll work with you as you work with him. But it's not about what you do. It's about what you receive in this life. That is, that's the truth of the gospel. So what is grace encapsulated in just a couple of words that I have heard my dad preach on before? It's God's 
unmerited favor. It's God's unmerited favor. What is unmerited? It means undeserved. Have you asked you this a couple of Sundays ago? Have you ever gotten you, like good things happen to you? And you're like, I didn't deserve that. I didn't deserve that. You know what that is? That's the grace of God in your life. Undeserved favor from God. You can't ever do enough to deserve so God's favor. You can't ever do enough. He gives it freely. And so I think of this, Psalms 23, 6, it says, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. I can't get away from the goodness of God. I could run away from it and God's grace just keeps pursuing me and pouring giftedness on me and blessing me when I don't have enough money. He takes care of that. He takes care of my healing when I'm sick. It's like God's goodness is just chasing after me. I'm trying to run away from it. I don't know why I would. But here God's goodness just keeps chasing after me. His favor keeps coming after me. I don't deserve it, but that's how that's the God that we we serve. So Two Sundays ago, we talked about jumping into the ocean of God's love and saying, I am never, ever getting out of this love ever again. I'm never, ever getting out. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story. I didn't plan to tell you this, and they're recording this, so I could get in trouble with the police. But um, yesterday, I was driving down 54, and if you know, there's parts of 54 where there's construction and there's, there's no, what do you call it, shoulder, right? And so I just went to the dump, went to the dump three times. All these leaves and trash we're getting rid of. And so I'm on my phone while I'm driving. Has anybody ever done that before? All right. I do it all the time. All right. So I'm on my phone while I'm driving. <laughs> and I, I've got empty trash cans, the big old ones, you know, that the trash uh, truck picks up. Those three, one recyclable and the other two gray ones. And I'm on my phone, and I look in my rearview mirror, and I'm going through that narrow part of 54, and oops, there goes one of those trash cans right up into the air, flying up. Fortunately, there's nobody right behind me. And so I'm trying to talk on my phone, look forward, look in the rearview mirror, make sure I'm not causing any accidents, going through the very narrow spot. And there it sits right on the, uh, the passing lane, cars swerving around. I'm like, oh, my word. So I am I'm get off my phone, and I look in the rearview mirror, oops. There goes the other trash can flying off. <laughs> so anyways, I get over to a safe place. I call 911 and I say, hey, I've, there's some trash cans on the freeway. There's no shoulder. Uh, you know, you need to send a, a, a patrol car out there to, to, to help us out. So um, I'm trying to remember why on earth I was going to tell you that. Grace of God. <laughs> The grace of God, man, you know, in spite of my stupidity, God protected people, you know. God's goodness still pursued me even though I was an idiot and I didn't secure those, those trash cans. God is good even though we're dumb sometimes. How many of you have done something dumb before and God didn't treat you the way that you deserved? That's the grace of God. That's the grace of God. So... Here's my message to you today. And do you, do you like this so far? I mean, do you want some of this grace of God? I do. I want more of God's grace. But listen to this. The grace, grace is not a theme. It's not a topic. It's not a subject. Grace is a person. Grace is a person and the person of Jesus Christ. And I want to I share with you more about that here today. So in Philippians 3, 7, Philippians 3, 7, all the way through verse uh, 10 or 11, actually verse 11, listen to how the Apostle Paul, he's the one that said, God's grace is sufficient for me. Listen to how he views God's grace in the man, Jesus Christ. Here he says, but whatever was to my gain, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. And Christ being the person of grace. I'll forfeit everything. I'll forfeit money. I'll forfeit talent. I'll forfeit honor. All for the person of grace. Because God's grace is that important to me. And Jesus is the man of grace. Grace is not a topic Grace is a person. Think about that. The Apostle Paul goes on and writes, 
What is more, I consider everything a loss. There's nothing worthwhile because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, the man of grace. I consider all this stuff garbage that I may gain Christ, that I may gain grace and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own. Remember last week how we talked about the, uh, the justification of God? The just, we had Alex standing up here with a big old PV, well, not big, but it was a PVC pipe, and that represented God's justification, and God's aiming his justification out towards you. You know what justification is? It's, it's where he pardons you for all your wrong. It makes you as if you've never done anything wrong in your whole life. He aims his justification out to you, and he asks you to connect to him through faith. And we had Cole here with another PVC pipe. And he was the one down, you know, Alex is up here high and Cole's down here. And Jesus comes out, reaches out and grabs Cole's pipe and takes it and shoves it right in to his justification, to God's justification. That's the God that we serve. So the Apostle Paul says right here, not with your own righteousness, with God's own righteousness. The justification that comes through faith in God faith in Christ, righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul said. I want to know grace. Do you want to know grace? Do you want more of that grace in your life? Stop working so hard and let God do it for you. That's the ticket right there. So grace was born to us. If grace is a person, then grace was born to us. And I want you to look at Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And it talks here of, of, the, of the birth of Jesus, all right? And in verse 27, it said, To a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. We're talking about Mary, obviously. A descendant of David, Joseph was. The virgin's um, name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, all right, so you got to stop there. When you're reading the Bible, read it slow. Picture what was going on here. I don't know if Mary was asleep when the angel appeared to her. I don't know if she was going about her business outside. I don't know if it was daylight or dark. One way or another, an angel appeared to her, and it was uh, this angel, uh, I believe it was angel Gabriel. Can you imagine an angel appearing to you? There's people nowadays that have angels appear to them. How would you like to have an angel appear to you? All right? Some of us, yes. Some of us, no. Because Mary was terrified. <laughs> it, would, it scared her. Can you imagine a 10-foot angel and all his brilliance appearing to you. All right, so read the Bible slow. Picture what it was like. And the angel said, Greetings to you who are highly favored. Highly favored. Grace. You're favorably disposed, special, uh, selected. All right? Why was Mary highly favored? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Can I tell you why she was highly favored? It wasn't because of what she did. Mary was highly favored because she just received from God. She said, you'll see at the end of this little story, she said, be it done unto me, your servant, as you have said. In other words, I receive, I receive. What was the last thing that you received from God? What was the last time or when was the last time when you allowed yourself to receive something from God? If you do, you're highly favored. God favors those who just simply receive in faith from him. Not only salvation, but ongoing just blessings. Mary was highly favored because she just received from God, received grace. And the angel said, the Lord is with you. And you know what? We need to start realizing that Jesus is with us. Even if you're the worst person in the world, I'm the worst person in the world. Jesus is with you. Begin to realize that. Begin to walk in that. Begin to meditate. Think about that. All right. And if because he's with you and you realize that you are highly favored, 
Walk around with your head held high. Who cares if your boss doesn't like you? Who cares if your spouse demeans you? You walk around as a highly favored person of God. And don't accept anything less for yourself. You're a man. You're a woman of God. Walk around constantly receiving from God and with your held head, your head held high. Verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said, see, and there it goes. That would, Mary realized it wasn't her. <laughs> this isn't something because I've done something special. This is the favor of God coming upon me. It was nothing to do with me. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You know what that tells me? Favor's out there. For you, you just need to find it. (laughs) She found favor with God. It's out there, and it's not too far. You need to find favor with God, not from the things that you do. You will find favor when you just start simply receiving from God, despite yourself. Get rid of your condemnation. Get rid of all the shameful memories and just receive from God. And you know what? You will find favor from God when you do that. Yes, it's that simple. Yes, it's that simple. It's not based on your works. It's based on simply receiving from God. So she found this favor from God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, not because you're anything special, but because you've found that favor. You're you're one to easily receive from God, and you will call him Jesus. Who's Jesus? The person of grace. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign. How would you like it for favor just to reign and rule over you? You can't get away from it. God's grace is always over you. His favor rules and reigns over you, over over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom, there will be no end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you. For the Holy One, the One of Grace, will be born and will be called the Son of God. Listen to this. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. Elizabeth was well beyond her years of being able to have children and God caused her to be able to be pregnant. She And she was the mother of John the Baptist, by the way. Listen to this statement. She who was said to be unable to conceive is now in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. You know what? Grace overrides what other people say about you, think about you, or do to you. Grace overrides that. You've been told you're no good. You're not going to mount a hill of beans. Grace overrides that. You've had failures in your life. You've failed yourself. Others have failed you. Grace overrides that. It knows no barrier. It just comes after you and rules over you in a very positive way. And this is a this right here is actually the language of grace. There's in the Bible, there's a language of grace that many Christians overlook because we as Christians, we constantly think we got to be doing and not doing, and we got to follow this rule and that rule. And yes, there's God's commands that we must obey, but let me tell you what you can only obey God's commands when you receive His grace first. You receive God's grace first, and then you'll want to obey God. But all this religious humbo-jumbo of having to prove something to God is never going to work for you. It's never going to work for me. We receive from God, and then he changes our heart, and we start wanting the right things. It's fruit that naturally produces out of us. All right? So this grace language, this language of grace, we begin to see in the Bible. Look at this. God's word will never fail. Listen to this. If he says he forgives you, he really forgives you. All right? That's the way that it works. You just simply receive it. If he puts your sin behind his back, you put your sin behind your back and don't think about it anymore. God has forgiven you. If he says he justifies you, he justifies you. Take it at face value. If he says he loves you, He really loves you. He's not just messing around. He really does. And if he says that you're going to be a success, you're going to be a success. All right? 
That's the grace of God. No word, this is the language of grace right here, no word that God speaks will ever fail. That's a power of God. If he says he's going to heal you, he's going to heal you. And so, you know, in, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but back in the day, I don't know, back in the 80s, maybe 90s, and even today, there's what's called the word of faith movement. The word of faith movement. And uh, I subscribe to many of the things that the word of faith movement says. Some of them I don't really agree with. Others I do. But you know what's better than the word of faith is the word of grace movement. (laughs) The word of grace, the language of grace. Grace upon you. Grace upon you in the name of Jesus. Because that changes everything when we receive God's grace. Well, look at this. This uh, the second story in uh, it, actually, let me, let me just read to you first in Luke 1, verse 38, because this is how Mary ends this little encounter, this massive encounter with this angel. She says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. May your word to me. She was receiving. She was saying, God, if you said it, may it come true. I receive it. I'm not going to sit here and doubt or anger or whatever and push it off. No, I just receive it. And, and this word fulfilled, um, you know, means may it come to pass. You know, it, it's if, if you could foretell the future and you tell somebody what's going to happen in the future, then that person would say, well, I hope it comes to pass. I hope it's fulfilled. But this word fulfilled also means has a little deeper meaning. It says, may your word fill me. May your word just fill Fill me. And when you're full of God's promise, you don't have any room for doubt. You don't have any room for fear. You don't have any room for self-doubt or or shame because the word of God fills you. That's the grace of God. That's the language of grace. Fulfillment. Full fill. Amen. That's what we want. And you'll see this again here in another text that we'll read in here in just a second. But the second story that I want to share with you about this person of grace being being born is here in Luke 2.8. So you might say, Steve, I don't totally buy this thing with Mary. She was a good lady. And God blessed her because she did good things. And she was special. And that's why the angel and God decided to use her. So if you, if you disagree with me, look at this next story and see if, if I can't convince you. Luke 2, verse 8. There were shepherds, all right, living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. Let me tell you what. In those days, the shepherd was the average Joe Blow, bottom of the rung, type of person, all right? They took care of sheep. There was nothing special about shepherds. But the angel of the Lord appeared to them. What? He appeared to Mary? And now he's appearing to shepherds? What do these shepherds play in this story? What, what does God have for them? Appears to them the glory of the Lord shone around them. And now we do. This is at night, outside, freak out city, all right? Scary. Angels, glory of God showing around them. You know, people talk about UFOs and stuff showing up. There'd be nothing more amazing than an angel of God appearing to you in the middle of the night when you're outside. <laughs> that would be amazing. All right. But the angel of, of the, uh, the angel, they were terrified. All right. I would be terrified. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I find it interesting every time this angel appears to Joseph, to Mary, to, uh, to uh, Zechariah. It's always don't be afraid. That's the language of grace as well. Why are we so fearful? God's saying, don't be afraid. That's the language of grace. We need to start accepting God's grace and saying, God, if you tell me not to be afraid, I'm not going to be afraid. So he says, don't be afraid. He says, I bring you good news. There's some more grace language. By the way, in our, in our little sheet here that we read, you're gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm asking you on two different days, look for the language of grace when you read these scriptures. Look for the words of grace because they're life-changing. He says, I bring you good news of great joy. That's a language of grace. For unto you, excuse me, for, and for all people. All right. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. And I got to take I got to slow down here. This statement is so massive. It's so monumental. 
How many times have you prayed to God and you think, yeah, he'll answer me in 20 years? <laughs> have you ever told yourself that? Yeah, God answers, but not now. Yeah, God will answer tomorrow. But here, this says today, today. And I think of little, little David when he was going out toward, towards Goliath. He started talking to his giant. He said, this day God will give you into my hands. It's time for us to start thinking that God's grace is for right here, right now. I don't have to wait any longer. God's grace is pursuing me and overtaking me today. He says, today in the town of David, a savior, a person, a man, the son of God, a person of grace will be born to you. All right? Don't worry about the baby. She's as cute as she can be. You just watch me, all right? Okay? Listen to this. A Savior will be born to you. He was born to Sylvia. He was born to Honesty. He was born to Jimmy. He was born to, 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 uh, to Jesse, John. That's right. He's born to you. That's why the person of grace was born for you. For you. Not for someone else. I've heard people say, God's always blessing so-and-so, but he never blesses me. No, hogwash. Jesus was born to you. All right? Receive him. The Messiah, the Lord, this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. That's grace language there again. How many of you wish you had a little bit more peace in your life? All right? We all, I wish I had more peace. You know what? Find God's favor by receiving him and you'll get all the peace you ever dreamed of. All the peace. Disconnected from your circumstances, you can have peace even if you're going through troubled times. Because God's peace is not contingent on what's happening around you. God's peace comes directly from heaven and is for those on whom God's favor rests. These shepherds, there's nothing special about them except they found the favor of God. They found the peace of God. And so uh, they went in <laughs> and they found the, the, uh, the child of grace that had been born. They found him. You can find Jesus today, right now. Just receive, reach your heart out and say, I open my heart to this man of grace and I receive this grace from him. So <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to skip something here. But if you, if you grab the, the little worksheet of Monday through Friday readings, I want you to read Isaiah 9. There's more language of grace in there. And it's probably better suited for you to read it for yourself. Read it this week on whatever day it's mentioned. And learn the language of grace. Learn the words of grace. I'm going to jump over that and skip over to, to something else here as we get close to finishing up. John 1.14. You say, Steve, I'm still not convinced that grace is a person. Look at this in John 1.14, and then we'll also read verse 16. It says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, who's the word? If you read the passage in John, John 1, you, you quickly come to the conclusion that the word is Jesus. Quickly. So take my word for it, but read it for yourself. The word became flesh, that's Jesus, dwelt among us. What? Full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. Where does this unmerited favor come from? Where does this favor come from that makes your life work the way that it was intended to work? You know, when Adam, before sin ever happened... Everything just worked for Adam. There's no thorns. There's no thistles. He'd plant something. It would grow. It'd give fruit. Everything just worked. All right? Jesus came that things would work for you. Jesus came that things would work for you. And he's full of grace. In fact, he is grace. In verse 16, it says, Of his fullness, we See, of his fullness, we all receive grace for grace, or grace, some versions say, grace upon grace. What does that mean? He just piles. You got a little bit of grace? 
He'll go pile some more grace on top of you. You got that much grace? He's going to put more, more grace on top of that. He gives you grace upon grace or grace for grace. Now, there was this man back in the 1800s. His name was Alexander McLaren, probably known as one of the, the primary preachers of all times. He, he grew up in Scotland, and he pastored in Manchester, England. In fact, he was known as um, McLaren of Manchester. That sounds pretty uppity, right? McLaren of Manchester. And he, he built a church. This is back in the 1800s, so this was no small feat. Built a church that seated 1,500 people. Back then, that would have been considered a mega church. Nowadays, there's buildings that seat 16,000. But back then, 1,500. You know what? Every time this guy preached, that church was jam-packed. And in that time, his sermons that he would, uh, that were transcribed or written up, he was more read as a pastor than any other pastor of that time in Victorian England. And um, this man, this pastor, preached on this, this verse right here, uh, John 1.16. And I want to read you a couple of excerpts from a sermon that he preached on this, on this scripture. He said, this whole concept of grace upon grace, he said, it's one supply being piled upon another. <laughs> Can you picture God just piling grace on you, piling favor on you? More and more and more. Here's another thing that he said. Just as a caregiver, a gardener, stands over a plant that needs watering and will pour water over the surface until the earth is drunk it up and then adds a little bit more, so he keeps giving step by step grace upon grace. In an uninterrupted bestowal. What does that mean? He takes the garden hose and he just keeps pouring it on you and doesn't turn it off. He drowns you in his grace and it just keeps pouring. And until he sees that the ground is waterlogged, he just keeps pouring grace upon grace, yet regulated upon the absorbing power of the heart that receives it. So when your heart gets waterlogged with God's grace, he'll turn the spigot down a little bit more. You know what I want? I want a heart that just keeps absorbing so that God doesn't stop. He just keeps pouring more and more and more grace into my life. And I just keep absorbing it and finding another place to put it. Give me more. I, I need more. And I, he gives me more. And I find another place to stash that. It's like these teenagers that <clears throat> they're 16, 17-year-olds. It's like they got a hole in their leg. They eat and the food just goes and then they eat some more. That's the way we need to be with God's grace. But Alexander McLaren said something else. He said, he's always giving. God is always giving. And his intention is that our lives should always continually be receiving. That was his intention. Receive in the name of Jesus what God has given you. Receive the grace of God. He went on to say, you know, what, wherever there are uninterrupted gifts, it is because there's been interrupted trust in him. So when God's giftedness is interrupted and you quit receiving, it's probably because you and I, we've stopped trusting God. So we've got to go back to trusting God. There's many other things that you can get in the notes. If you go to our website, lifeworthlivingchurch.org, you can see the other comments that he makes are just powerful. But I want to end with this. Grace is a person. Listen to these last three scriptures that I'll give to you. Titus 2.11, 2.11 and 12, it says, for the grace of God has appeared. <laughs> Praise God. The grace of God has appeared. Can you see grace? No, but yet you can see grace. He appeared through Jesus. The grace of God appeared through Jesus. So to see grace is to see Jesus that offers salvation to all people. Who's this unmerited favor for? For the worst criminal. For the dad who's walked out on his kids. For the parents who split up and broken a family. That's the grace of God for all of those people. Poor, rich, successful, unsuccessful, it says... The grace of God has appeared and offers salvation to all people. 
Every single one of us. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. There it is. You receive the world, the, the, the grace of God, and you'll be able to say no to your temptations. You'll be able to say no. All of a sudden, you have the power to say, no, I'm not going to drink anymore. Or I'm not going to, if you if you're ever struggling with you know, alcoholism, it, it says you no to illicit affairs or to impure entertainment. It gives you the power, but just receive the grace of God. And then you'll be able to stand strong. <clears throat> Titus 3, verses six through uh, 4 through 6, it says, remember one of the connotations of grace is kindness. It says, but then the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared. Once again, Jesus, the man of grace, appeared. He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done. No way. You and I both know <laughs> we've messed up too many times. And guess what? Tomorrow we'll mess up again. I hate to set us up for failure, but that's the reality. All right? But it says, not because of all the righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously. Those are words of grace again. You got to start picking those things out, recognizing words of grace, a language of grace. And then finally, in Romans 5.15, it says, but the gift, remember, grace is about giftedness, but the gift is not like the trespass. For if many died by the trespass, that means the, the mess up, the flaws of one man, how much more did God's grace, the gift that came through the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many, overflow to many. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just praise you, God, for your grace. We praise you, God, that grace is not a thing but the grace of God is a person. It's the man, Jesus Christ. It's the son of God, Jesus Christ. Lord, and if we would just open up our hearts like Mary, there's nothing special about Mary except that she knew how to receive from God. There's nothing special about those shepherds except they knew how to receive from God. Lord, and that's all grace requires is a receiving an opening of our hearts, and that's what the word believe means, is simply to open our hearts to God. It's to believe in God. Lord, we believe in all kinds of other things. We believe in, in uh, actors and actresses that we might watch on TV. Lord, we believe in uh, some book that we read on success or what have you. We believe in our spouse. We believe in our kids. We believe in this, that, and the other. We believe in ourselves. But what would happen if we believed on the name of the, of the Son of God, Jesus Christ? We would open our hearts to him and begin to receive like we've never received before. And Lord, I see this picture in my mind, Lord, that I believe you placed there. You're sweeping the table with your great righteous right arm and saying, let's get rid of all the things that have been built by man and let's start a new foundation, the foundation of Jesus Christ and him alone. Build on this foundation, a foundation of grace, not a foundation of works. Lord, because only that building will stand the test of time. So I thank you, God, for your gift of grace through your son, Jesus. Through your son, Jesus. And that's why the word of God says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. I knock at the door of your heart. If any man will open the door, I will come in. Grace will come in. Praise God when we open the door of our heart. Grace will come in and take up residence there. And we'll begin to receive an uninterrupted flow of God's grace into our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for this truth. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of grace. We praise you, Lord. I want to ask right now, do you want that grace? Would you raise your hand? You, want, you say, hey, I want to open my heart to that. I'll take some of that. All right? You raise your hand, all right, praise God. I want that grace, amen. I'm tired of the religious way. I want the freeway, <laughs> amen. I want the freeway. We receive it, Jesus. I want you to pray out to God. I don't care if you pray silently or out loud. Receive it, say, God, I receive your grace right now. I fling open wide the doors of my heart. 
I don't want any more of this mess of me trying to fix my own life, Lord. You fix my life, Jesus. I receive, I open the door, Jesus. You've been knocking, and I didn't get it up until now, but I get it now. I fling open wide the door of my life, Lord. Grace come in. Grace be piled upon grace today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you right now, God. Lord, God, yes, the way is narrow, but it's not that narrow. <laughs> the way to Jesus is, is not that hard, Lord God. We just simply receive, and then tomorrow on Monday, we'll receive again, Lord. And then Tuesday on Christmas Day, we'll receive yet again. Lord, all we are is a vessel, a cup, that we just seek to be filled full of God, filled all the fullness of him. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, oh God. We worship you. Just spend some time just basking in this grace, would you? Just bask in it. Praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. The grace of God. I want to live in it, Jesus. I want to walk with you, Jesus. I want to talk to you unobstructed by my past, unobstructed by my shame, Lord, unobstructed by my failures, Lord, unobstructed by what people told me maybe at a young age that I wasn't going to mount anything, or maybe a thought came into my mind that I wasn't going to mount anything. Lord, I want to walk with you, Jesus. I want to talk to you, Jesus. I want to love you and be loved by you, Jesus. Oh, the grace of God. Yes, Lord. The gift of God. Yes, Lord. The happiness of God. The peace of God. All of that piled layer upon layer on me until I had, can't, can't even breathe from all the goodness that you've laid on me. Surely goodness and mercy is going to follow me all the days of my life. And I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's my predicament. <laughs> That's my destiny. That's where I'm headed. Hallelujah, Jesus. My thoughts are not going to disturb me anymore. They're not going to deceive me anymore. Praise God. I'm going to receive the grace of God. Lord, go with us this Christmas season. Lord, as we're blessed, let us be a blessing to others. Let us be a blessing to others. And I thank you, Jesus. We celebrate the birth of grace. <laughs> we celebrate the birth of grace. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen.